Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, What will be done with this man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? The people answered him in accord with this word, saying, Thus it will be done for the man who kills him. Now Elab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Elab's anger burned against David, and he said, Why have you come down, and with whom have you left the few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart, for you have come down in order to see the battle. But David said, What have I done now? Was it not just a question? Then he turned away from him to another and said the same thing. And the people answered the same thing as before. When the words which David spoke were heard, they told them to Saul, and he sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, while he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion uh, or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him and attacked him and rescued him from his mouth. And when he rose up again, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Oh, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with armour. David girded this sword over his armour and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. So David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. And David took them off. He took his stick in his hand, and he uh, chose for himself five small, smooth stones from the book and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had, even in his pouch. And his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Then the Philistine came, came on and approached David with the shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine saw, uh, looked and saw David, he disdained him. He was, for he was but a youth and ruddy and with a handsome appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. 
the Philistine also said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by the sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Then it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David, that David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand into his bag and took from it a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. Thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. I don't really feel we can start um, the account of David and Goliath until we recap on the situation in Israel. And in chapter 15, we read in the final verse that God was grieved that he had made Saul king over Israel. Saul had rejected God, so God had rejected Saul and was looking for a man after his own heart. So the prophet Samuel <clears throat> is told to go to Bethlehem to meet the sons of a man called Jesse, because God had chosen one of them to become king. When Samuel arrived in Bethlehem, the sons of Jesse were brought to him, and at first glance, he thought the eldest son, Eliab, was the one God wanted. But thankfully, Samuel listened to God rather than going with what looked good. And isn't there a lesson for us here? We so need to seek the Lord's counsel in our choices and appointments and not be afraid to say no and delay things. The most important thing is to wait for God's clear leading. Sometimes the people in the forefront aren't the ones God chooses. In these days, so much is based on achievements. We have a certificate for this, a qualification for that, which is all well and good. But God sees past all that. When he calls us for specific tasks or battles, and in calling us, so he equips us. I've got a little um, note written in my Bible, something I heard a long time ago, and it says, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called.
how many times have things not worked out as well as they could because we weren't prepared to wait and we're left with the consequences of our haste. So going back to Samuel, after he'd paused and had listened, he had the rest of Jesse's sons pass before him. But he obviously still had a bit of an inward check in his heart because those boys just didn't seem quite right. So he asks Jesse if he has another son, to which he is told in a rather disparaging way, well, well, they're still the youngest, but he's tending the sheep. And um, I was pondering that sort of earlier on this morning, although I'd prepared the talk, obviously, I was just pondering that over again, thinking, you know, it's the same in, a, in, in the church family, in families. Um, it's important not to just stick with the older established um, things and attitudes. Sometimes when there's new, younger life coming in, that is just as important to listen to. So David's brought to Samuel, and Samuel senses that he is the one God has called, and he anoints him as king over Israel. And there we read that the Spirit of God came upon David with power. So before we pick up on David and Goliath, we find the Israelites and Philistines assembled and camped in the valley of Elah, both armies facing each other from the hills on either side of the valley, and running through the valley is a small brook. The Philistine hero, Goliath, is approximately nine feet tall and has been taunting the Israelites for 40 days. And the Israelites have been worn down, they're afraid, and they've lost heart. Saul must have been feeling particularly vulnerable because he was not only king, but he was also tall. But notice, he didn't step forward. Jesse's three eldest sons were with Saul in the battleground, and Jesse is concerned for their well-being. So he sends David to check up on them and take some loaves of bread for his brothers. And this is where we begin to see God's perfect timing and provision take place. Have you noticed looking back over your years, some of them longer than, the, than others, the times when you've got frustrated with God for not seemingly answering your prayers in your timing. But actually he was working in a different and perfect way. God's delays are not necessarily his denials. Often we need to hold on and wait. And in the waiting, we're being prepared. And of course, it's not a passive waiting. We are expected to be active while waiting. Anyway, back to the battleground. David's now amongst the Israelite army and witnesses Goliath's taunting. And he's indignant at Goliath's defiance and speaks out, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? His faith in the living God is so real and alive that he, he seems staggered at their lack of fear of God. But of course, they've rejected God. Oh, I wish we had some David, Davids in these days in this land. Often, when we take a stand over something for God, we'll get harsh criticism. And this is what David gets from his eldest brother. He gets slapped down with angry words. 
maybe Eliab is smarting from being rejected as king. He says, why have you come down here and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Again, what a put down. I would su suggest that there's sibling rivalry here. Eliab's heart is angry and resentful. Whereas David's heart appears to be full of faith and a genuine love of God. David is passionate about God and for God. He followed after his God. His heart was devoted to serving God. Remember the proverb, proverb never judge a book by its cover. None of us know what someone's heart is like. Only God sees our hearts. Now, when David was speaking to some of the men after his elder brother had slapped him down, his indignation about the defiance of Goliath was overheard and it was reported to Saul, who asked to see him. Yet again, David, David's great faith and courage is displayed and he says to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Again, another put down for David. You're only a boy. How often does the devil put us down and try to prevent us from a call God has placed on our lives? You're too old, maybe. When God calls, so he equips. Let's not use age, young or old, as an excuse not to do things for God. So David explains to Saul how, as a shepherd, he's learnt to defend himself from various animals and that God had protected him in the wilderness. He says to Saul, this Philistine will be just like a bear or a lion. And the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistines. Saul agrees to let him go, but not until David is dressed in Saul's armour. It's important that we don't put our faith in other people's protection. Our protection comes from God and God alone. Never despise the times of obscurity and waiting because those days are days of training for what God is preparing us to do ahead. Or the times when nothing seems to be happening. God is working and his timing is perfect. What was David doing in those days of solitude with the sheep? He was worshipping God, writing psalms, learning how to defend himself, as well as experiencing God's deliverance. Nothing was wasted. So now we have David approaching this giant Goliath with just a sling and five smooth stones. And yet again, we have words of intimidation spoken from Goliath. He despised David and was insulted that this young man stood up to him. But again, David's heart is so rooted in the power of God and the name of God, that Goliath's words have no hold over him and no effect whatsoever. And he steps up with sling in hand and flings the first stone at Goliath. Wham! 
right first shot and Goliath falls to the ground dead. David then cuts Goliath's head off and publicly holds it aloft for the armies to see the victory. So the question for me from this is, who are our giants? I hope we don't have to face physical battles, but we do, as did David, have to face spiritual ones. David's heart, as I said earlier, was focused on God and the taunting of Goliath, the disdain and the dismissal of Eliab, David's elder brother, didn't seem to affect David. He knew the battle was God's and that he was just someone working with God through everyday life. What was his key? In Psalm 86 verse 11 we read David prays give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. In 1 Samuel 30 when faced with aggression and probably fear he found strength in the Lord. He speaks to himself why are you downhearted O my soul hope in God for I shall again praise him. These are just some of the examples I've taken of how David dealt with various battles, but when you read through the Psalms, they're full of examples. Now, we're lucky because we have the whole, whole of the Bible um, to look things up, and, and we know that David wasn't perfect um, and made many mistakes, but one of David's descendants was perfect. And he fought a battle once and for all, for all of us. Jesus defeated sin and death on the cross and rose again. And as we put our faith in him, he is with us through every battle we will ever have to face. How do we deal with the battles in our lives? In Ephesians 6 verses 8, 10 to 18, we're told by Paul that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but, get, but against the principalities and powers of this dark world. How do we stand when facing these enemies? We put on God's armour and take our stand, and we're told to keep standing. We put on the belt, belt of truth round our waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, our feet need to be wearing the readiness to carry the gospel of peace. And then we take up the shield of faith with which we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then we put on the helmet of salvation and we use the sword of the spirit, which is the word of, the God, of God. So belt of truth. Who is truth? Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. The gospel of peace. Who is peace? Jesus is peace. We place our faith in him. The shield of faith is in him. We take up the helmet of salvation. He is our salvation. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Jesus is the living word. So in effect, 
we wear Jesus at all times. Jesus has disarmed all the principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross, just like David cut off Goliath's head and held it up for the army to see. Jesus has disarmed the cross. We see him on the cross. He has disarmed all the principalities and powers. One of the biggest giants we face, I think, is fear. Fear of approaching God because we feel guilty of some past sin. But just as we started the service this morning with David's prayer, search me, O God, and know my heart, God knows all our shortcomings. He wants us to come to him with our fears and to say sorry for the things we've got wrong and to ask him to help us get on, back on track. Maybe there's a giant of fear for the future, but it's God who holds the future. And as Christians, we can have peace and know that one day we will spend eternity with him. Fear about our health, fear about our loved ones, fear of our safety, so many aspects of fear. But if we believe that Jesus has disarmed all the principalities and powers of darkness, then fear has to go. At the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. But it's a battle. David stood against the giant Goliath and used the name of God. How much more can we take a stand and use the name of Jesus? And it says continually in the passage about wearing the armour of God, stand, stand, stand. So you keep on resisting. And, and that's when we need each other to stand with us sometimes too, as an army. So as we come to Jesus in faith, he takes our inferiority. David didn't feel inferior. He knew God valued him. He takes our sadness. He takes our disappointments. He takes our struggles with sin and every critical and unkind word, all our fears. He calls us to come to him, to open our hearts to him and let him remove all the cracks that our battered hearts have taken through life. He came to set the captive free.